let's bring in Brandon Vogel. Brandon, good morning. Uh, good morning, how's no, you can finish your question and then I'll answer it. Sorry. I'm no, so it, was, it was a probing one. It was, how are you guys doing? Mm. Mm. On what level? Like, where do we want to go with this one? Very loaded uh, question, Brandon. Yeah. It is. I, I yeah. was joking about it being pro- probing, but actually, if you stop and think about it, it really kind of is. <laughs> like, if you slow down the question, right, deliver it like that, it can start to get pretty invasive, right? Yeah. It's like, hey, how are you like doing right and then it gets a little yikes it's on the delivery well uh, we are doing better yeah. than uh than crew and we talked about this briefly on the show yesterday crew uh was wearing his iowa gear last year when we went out to indianapolis he says he's not going to indianapolis this year we briefly talked about him yesterday so crew appreciate you tuning in on a saturday morning good luck to your gonna... guys they'll need it uh there's gonna be a lot of sad iowa fans tonight yeah uh, Likely. Brandon, Brandon, Tony White, the defensive coordinator for Nebraska, gets <laughs> talked about for tons of openings. As those were coming out, did you? Wh- where were you handicapping it? Did you think he was gone? I, it just seemed like there was enough smoke that he was out. Yeah, I, I mean, I never quite got there. I, I wrote a kind of coaching carousel update on Tuesday through a Nebraska lens, and I wrote there that my feeling was, and it was just a feeling, was that they, they would be able to keep Tony White. Hmm. Got a little bit dicey there. I mean, I, I really think the biggest hurdle here was San Diego State. Um, had so much time there. His, you know, He's really off the rocky long tree um, and spent a ton of time there with Coach Long. And when when San Diego State made made a good hire, I think, in, in Sean Lewis from from Colorado, that felt like a big hurdle cleared. Elijah and I talked pretty extensively on the Thursday show about why the the USC thing kind of stuck stuck out to us as a little bit strange. You know, went through a whole litany of reasons. I think one that we didn't talk about on Thursday, Elijah, was was just like. USC made a pretty splashy hire in, in swiping UCLA's DC, but playing opposite that offense, um, no matter how good you are, isn't the easiest way to, no. to put up, put up good defensive numbers. So, so that's another piece of this. So I think when we, we got the news of the pay bump, a uh, pretty significant one after, after one year at Nebraska, that should barring any, you know, unforeseen developments down the line, uh, should probably seal things up. And I think Tony White's safely in Lincoln now for another year, which is, a about as big an off-season boost, I think, as Nebraska could have gotten. Yeah, in Lincoln, I'd say barring any late head coaching changes, late in the cycle, yeah. anything unforeseen, any Mel Tucker-type situations. Um, but, Brandon, one of the things that we briefly discussed, did either of you guys ever spend any time living in California? Because, like, with... Living there? No. Because, like, taxes, California versus Nebraska. Yeah, I'm going to go there on a Saturday morning. <laughs> To make I love one the point, oldest soul in the world. <laughs> to make $1.6 million at USC, yeah. like how much they would have had to pay him after taxes. Like one point, I mean, you're, we're talking, if you're above a million dollars, I think it's like 40% state income tax for the state of California plus federal income tax. Like we're talking a three plus million dollar offer from USC to be able to match what Nebraska was going to give tony white post taxes that's might be the i mean maybe usc has the money to pay that with how much they're paying lincoln riley but that's i think the part that was kind of sticking with me whenever this 
rumor broke on Wednesday, and we got to discuss a little bit further on Thursday, was like USC was going to have to shell out for a guy in Tony White just to be able to match what Nebraska could offer after taxes. Plus all the time lost in traffic. I mean, at that point, <laughs> coaches already live at the stadium. If I was at USC, I might actually just live at the stadium. Be like, it'll save me time. <laughs> yeah, the trade-off being, the trade-off being beautiful weather. Trade-off being you don't need as big of a house because you can be outside more often, right? So you don't go as stir crazy. Um, but you also, in that area, you expose yourself to uh, gi- giant predatory animals if you get into the hills, right? <laughs> Bears and mountain lions might get you. It's possible. Doesn't really happen here. Uh, and then also you, uh, of course, all the crazy people, you know. So that's the trade-off. And but yeah, it, you might be making a million a plus a year in California. You might still need roommates. It's possible. Yeah, yeah. So this is good. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that we're making the sales pitch here for why Nebraska is a better living option than than California. And as the world can see, 1.7 million people can't be wrong, folks, because you know, get on the bandwagon. Get on the bandwagon. This is the place to live. Um, Everybody has pitched in a dollar to keep you here, Tony White. How about that? <laughs> it's actually, it's actually a really good idea if Nebraska needs to raise raise something, like the five on it campaign. Everybody will throw five bucks on some. Um, all right, let's skip over to Grant Bricks, the offensive lineman that commits, and you know, re- recruiting talk can get kind of like, oh, he's really good and. Maybe he'll be good when he gets here. Like, you know, it gets kind of circular in my opinion sometimes, but I can't think of another guy at the offensive line position that was as coveted that Nebraska really, I mean, it's been a long time. He, he seems like he was literally their top target uh, at any position. And for him to commit just up the road from Logan Magnolia, um, the significance of the, of that commitment, Brandon, and and whether or not he projects as a guy that competes for playing time immediately. Yeah, I think he I think he has that potential. You know, uh, high school films always tough. It's, I think it's particularly tough with uh, offensive linemen, uh, unless you know if you're looking at local guys, you have a better sense of exactly like who these teams are that they're playing against. Um, pretty run heavy offense, which, which is good. Um, you know, Nebraska has kind of missed, I think that signature run blocker a lot of the time. And I think he, he has that potential, but you know, I'm kind of with you, Mark, like trying to project these guys is, is, is really tough at, at the next level and how quickly they might be ready. I think what we can say safely is this coaching staff is, is not afraid to put those guys in the mix early on. Um, you know, I think it was probably a little bit tempting with some of the freshmen, true freshmen that registered this year with some injuries up front, not to, uh, not to dip into that pool. They were able to make it through the season and without doing that. But, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see bricks, you know, contending for, for playing time by the time we get to next fall. The big thing is, is you mentioned it. He was definitely their highest priority offensive line target probably up there with Carter Nelson in terms of, you know, guys that were coveted the most by Nebraska. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the longer term thing is, is, you know, Matt rule said in one of his very early press conferences about this time last year, after he'd been hired, you know, in talking to people around Nebraska, people that know Nebraska football, 
getting those offensive linemen locally, and I would consider Bricks a, a local prospect, relatively speaking, um, is, is important to them. I think they view that as um, not a mandate, but a, a benefit. Like, you can find those guys around here, and they're going to try and do that. And, and this was probably the best example we've seen since they started recruiting a year ago of them identifying a guy and getting the guy that they wanted. Yeah, and real, real quick, Elijah Ross men- mentions in the stream that Turner Corcoran was just as highly rated out of high school completely. I think the difference being, I'm, I'm not sure Turner was like their top target that they put the full court press on. It just, you just, I just haven't seen Nebraska maybe put this level of attention on a particular recruit in quite some time. Might, might not even have a comparison. I mean, they rolled a semi truck up to his high school like months ago. It's like, so different level, but, but duly noted, Ross. Yeah. I, I... Corcoran and Ben Hart, in terms of, you know, their importance to those classes, kind of came to mind and in in terms of similarities or or potential comparisons. I think, you know, some of the, like the semi-truck stuff, some of that stuff is just kind of the difference in recruiting approaches between two different staffs as well. But Mm -hmm. uh, pretty, pretty similar to those guys. I would, I would say for the most part though, uh, Nebraska's interest in bricks was quite clear. Brandon Vogel with us here, a weekend edition of Hale Varsity. And Brandon, do you think a commitment like Grant Bricks could change what Nebraska wants to do in the portal here in the upcoming offseason? Because, I mean, the portal news, it's getting hot and heavy. I believe it officially opens on Monday, so we're expecting a lot more news to drop between now and then. Want to get your thoughts? Offensive line, is that an area that you want to go bolster in the transfer portal? Everyone knows quarterback. I think wide receivers on the wish list when you look specifically at the offensive side of the ball. There are any other wish list items for that offense because it's clear that the offense, from what we saw this past season, a step or maybe a couple of steps behind the defense in terms of the rebuild process. You would think offense would be the side of the ball that they'd go to the transfer portal first. Outside the quarterback position, you think offensive line, you think wide receiver. Where do you think Nebraska is likely to go find some guys in the transfer portal? Or do they? Yeah, yeah. I think I think Bricks, uh, well, I guess broadly to start, I, I do expect Nebraska to be pretty selective um, in the portal. And I mean, Rule laid it out pretty queer, clearly, like the scenarios where they would look, what they're looking for when they get there, and also how, um, you know, long-term, and, and they're just entering year two now, so we're not long-term yet. You know, they kind of want to be as less reliant on the, uh, portal as they have to be, which I think is is where you want to be. It's kind of a luxury. Um, with bricks in, in the mix, um, I think that could that could take care of Nebraska on on the O line. Like it's always those O linemen are so tough to to get out of the portal. You'll look at them. You you know if you can get somebody on campus and a guy's got two years under his belt or something like that, and you're optimistic about where he could go you'll always look i think but i would say the higher priorities are um for me it's quarterback um i don't know if the staff totally feels that way which you know is pretty interesting i think you definitely turn over a lot of what rocks at wide receiver because there's going to be a lot of wide receivers in there there's just a lot of wide receivers that come out of high school i mean it's just a plentiful position um and a lot of guys move in there Running back will be another interesting one. I thought Rule was pretty interesting on that this week, talking about you know Irvin and Johnson coming back off of injury. Um, that seems like a spot where 
depending on, you know, they know way more about their progress and, and long-term prognosis than, than we do. But depending on where that stuff shakes out, I think that's a spot where you have to look uh, to, to maybe add one um, just to feel a little bit safe, particularly without one in this class at the moment. So that would be, I think it's mostly skill position on offense. Brandon Vogel with this weekend edition of Hail Varsity. And uh, Fred had written a comment earlier on the show of, do you think Rule was letting the boosters know, hey, get ready to fork over some dough if you want a high-level QB in his presser? And what he's referencing there is when he was asked about that in his presser, he's like, hey, you're talking about $1.5 to $2 million for a high-level quarterback in the transfer portal, just so we're all clear on, on what it actually takes to get one of those guys. And that's an annual commitment. Right. Um, and then kind of related to that, Derek in the stream said, ask Brandon about PJ Long. I think he still has all his eligibility left. PJ Long being the was that, was that the Baylor guy that was that played for rule years ago? Yeah. And so there's still that connection. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, a name I haven't considered in a little while, though, so. I mean, it's always it's it's interesting with those kind of school connections that you get there. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm realizing now I'm getting the joke. PJ Long, uh, a guy I played high school football with, big big offensive lineman. Derek is from my hometown, so ah, uh, okay, there we go. He, yeah. he got us. He, he, de- he definitely has his eligibility <laughs> left. Uh, I haven't checked in with him in quite some time. Uh, but he was older than me, so I do have some concerns about his ability to get up to speed quickly. Uh, so we're so we're okay on O line, anyways. Matt Rule and his staff they emphasize recovery, so I think that may be able to help somebody who is advanced in age for a college athlete. That's true. I mean, if Matt Rule offered me the opportunity to just go through all the sports science stuff and never play, I might take him up on it. Um, <laughs> I also never practice; just get the treatment. <laughs> I might I might be in for that. Um, <laughs> where were we before PJ? Long, well, well, any chance Ford Bobcat? In, any chance rule when he brought up the one and a half to two million dollars for a quarterback? We can we can kind of analyze this one because I don't know exactly what Jeff Sims got, but I'm assuming it wasn't nothing. And I'm guessing rule and or whoever funded that or the groups that funded that are feeling a little feeling a little burned. I'm just like, really? Is that really? I mean, we paid him like one hundred thousand bucks for every turnover. What? I don't know if this is the way we want to go. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I don't think that was rules. Number one objective was saying that. Though I do think there's some of that there of like, okay, if you wanna you wanna play in these waters, like this is what it takes at the quarterback position. I think his number one goal with that was just to kind of emphasize his point on development and how they want to keep guys here and guys that stay will get rewarded. So like long-term you don't want to be, you don't want to be looking for a one-off or two-off quarterback every cycle. Um, They would much, much prefer to get somebody in, um, bring them along. I mean, I think all coaching staffs would, but some are just more open to, and also like the circumstances are different at every place. Like some guys got to win now. Some guys take a new job and they're like, if we go portal heavy, we can we can potentially make a jump right away. Nebraska and Rule didn't do that this year. And I would expect them to continue tapering off in the portal as they 
have have more time with these guys and are able to bring them up to where they want them to be from, you know, true freshman, redshirt freshman, sophomore to to the point where they're ready to play two or you know, by year two or year three in their program. Right. And just to kind of marry these these two topics that we've hit on here together. Hypothetical question, complete hypothetical. If Nebraska had to choose between a transfer portal quarterback and bringing back Tony White for another season, which would you lean towards in terms of importance for next season? White. Um, yeah. I mean, I think based on based on the results that we saw in, in year one in a new league for him, and also just based on kind of rules like overarching football beliefs, I mean – you know, it, it, it stood out to me that while while Rule talked very openly, talks pretty openly about most things, I think, um, about Tony White having interest and how he approaches that. And, you know, he's very much go get a job. Um, he, he maintained through that. He's like, we'll be good on defense. And you look through his career and, and it backs it up. Like it would have been, you know, it would have been interesting. I'm, it's good, good for Nebraska that they're not in the spot, but it would have been interesting to see where they go. Uh, defensively if they had to, but they don't have to now. So I think, um, you know, we, we saw this year and, and it's tough because big 10 changes, you know, another classic matchup from Washington and Oregon last night, two programs that are going to come into the league next year at a really high level. Um, it changes, but we saw, and this isn't to explain anything away or try to make anybody feel better, but Nebraska went five and seven with three different quarterbacks and, and a strong defense. And, you know, three or four fewer turnovers. Maybe you get bowl eligible. Um, you know, all the all those things like that come down to close games. So they made they made progress this year. As we've gotten further away from that Iowa game, I felt more comfortable saying it, and I and I wasn't all that uncomfortable saying it. You know, last Friday evening. So that's that's kind of where they're at. So I think defensively is definitely going to be it's going to be their calling card. It's how they want to win games. And Brandon, as somebody that dives into statistics like you do, you know, Nebraska shows up at the top of the list again as the, quote, unluckiest team in America. And I, I don't know exactly how they base that, that, uh, base that, what do they even base we, that on? We, we I think, ta- is we it talked like, about it a little bit earlier in the week, Mark, where it's, you take it's expected win percentage. Or... So you take the success rate of your offense and your defense, every single play in the game, you average it out. You compare the two, and then you find an expected win total based on essentially if every single play was randomized from an average success rate. doesn't matter what the play call is. doesn't matter third and whatever. It's just a completely randomized sample of every single play in a game. Success rate, offense versus defense, they determine their expected win rate based on your success rate. So basically, Nebraska had a success rate offensively and defensively in which you would have expected them to win eight games, but they only win five. So it's kind calling it the unluckiest team – I think is a really, really bad moniker for what otherwise could be a somewhat helpful statistic. Hmm. Either yeah, way, anytime. It, it, it's something though, right? It's something though, Brandon. It's like unluckiest team. It feels like it as you're watching Nebraska. You're like, that's not very lucky. And so Brandon, the, the question leaning in is just statistically, just how much of an anomaly is Nebraska over the past, say, three years. I don't know if you want to loop 2021 in this, but I find it pretty crazy that through two different staffs, Nebraska's at the top of a list like that. It, it, it is strange. And, and Elijah's right. Anytime you bring the word luck into it, I think you automatically turn some people off. Mm-hmm. 
Um, a, a different word that's the same thing that, that sometimes goes over a little bit better is randomness. Um, turnovers are pretty random. Uh, over a long enough span, you'd expect those those close games to to average out. Um, but you never know how a long enough how long the quote unquote long enough span is. <laughs> um, so, you know, I I, I always look. Like in fact, I have it for every Big Ten team week by week. Um, I do this every year at post game win probability. I usually use SP plus. Um, the college football data is where that that tweet came from that you referenced. Um, use it quite a bit. It's it's good because you know as Elijah explained, like it just takes kind of the core numbers and it's like, you know, if you put these plays in random order, how often does Team A win or Team B win? Mm-hmm. Looking at it quickly, Nebraska had two games where it had a positive win probability, uh, but lost the game. And, and those two, and this is by SP plus, not college football data. That was Nebraska. That was Minnesota start the season and Iowa to end it. Um, it lost to Maryland with a 0.49 post game win probability. So there's another one that's right on the cusp. Looking at it quickly. I think Indiana was, you know, Indiana went one and one. They won one. They shouldn't have lost one. They shouldn't have. So as far as I can see, looking at this quickly, Nebraska was the only team with two losses that statistically probably could have been wins most of the right. time. And we go back to that 2021 season. I mean, that's the king of all, like what the heck's happening here. Um, and even like further back beyond that, um, really to the start of the Pelini era in the big 10, when you just look at the turnovers, um, like the degree to which Nebraska has won given its turnover margin is way better than it should be too. So if you don't like the term unlucky, um, maybe just as a function of turnover margin, like Nebraska has been a little bit lucky to be even as close as it has. So Hmm. it's just, it's, it's bizarre when you start looking back and looking at it as, you know, a whole, wherever you put the bookends, uh, it's not, it, it doesn't make a ton of sense, but, one of these days it will. Uh, one of these days, Nebraska is going to go super positive and turnover margin. Uh, they're going to win a handful of close games in a row. And we'll talk about the run game and improvement on the offensive line. And, and some of that stuff will be true, whatever it is when we get there. Some of it will also be like, well, some of these numbers that you don't have all that much control over are actually in your favor this time. It's a weekend edition here of Hail Varsity as we have word Chris Schmidt has landed in Denver. And I just saw that we got a text from him. What does it say? Is he going to be hopping on? He's going to connect in five. connect in five, so we'll see about that. It's Elijah Herbal and Mark Cranach taking you through the early part as Brandon Vogel joins us here, the weekend edition. And Brandon, I think quarterback's a big talking point, not just because of what we saw from a turnover number this past season, but with all the, the close games, a lot of times a good quarterback can be your difference in a close game. I want to get your thoughts on on the impact and just in terms of what we were kind of talking about just now, the close games, the unluckiness meter of a new quarterback. And then at what point are you going to be willing to actually discuss names in the portal? A lot of fans want to go there. I've brought up a couple names I think would work well, but I'm kind of holding my horses there in terms of uh, actually finding candidates that I think would fit well with Nebraska. I might be interested in Nebraska until the portal officially opens and we get some more information that way. Maybe we get the flight tracker out and we see who's flying into Lincoln and taking visits. I want to get your thoughts on, on I guess, the impact of a quarterback and when you think it's it's the proper time to, discard, to start discussing specific names. Yeah. Um, 
I'm working on kind of a portal primer for next next week um, on Tuesday. So I'm, I'm gathering my my information over these past couple of days, and we'll continue the next couple. It's quarterback's going to be pretty active, I think. Um, I mean, the the one name that jumped out to me immediately, and he's going to be at the top of a lot of people's list, is Kansas State's Will Howard. Um, Coming from a Chris Kleinman program, I think you would find a lot of similarities at the new Nebraska. Does that resonate? Um, Who knows? You know, who knows exactly what he's he's looking for? I think he might also be kind of considering the NFL. Uh, based on some things that I read, but he's a player who takes care of the football, uh, gives you some multiple options, and a lot of teams across the country are going to be interested in him. We'll see. There's going to be more names that that pop up in the next couple of days too. Um, but some of the uh, some of the smaller school guys are are intriguing to me. Um, I know a lot of people made the rule and temple connection plus maybe the Kurt Warner connection with EJ Warner temple quarterback but looking through his numbers I was pretty impressed um, with what he did on two temple teams that weren't all that good so there's another one that I wouldn't be surprised if if Nebraska at least kicked the tires on. Yeah, I've got a question in the stream or more of a comment from from Brian about a red shirt how the red shirt D linemen are coming along and you won't really know how they're coming along until the spring game but would like to see See them find a big body to back up zero and nine, zero being Huttmacher, nine being Ty Robinson. Not many 290-plus dudes on the roster. There there are four, I guess, bigs that you would say, and I, I know Robinson's listed as a D-end, but you know with his size, you can, you can move him around. You can put him on the nose if you need. You got four dudes um, that are freshmen that redshirted this year, uh, although I don't know if Riley Van Poppel technically did redshirt. I think he might have burned his. You got four guys. So you got Vincent Carroll Jackson. You got some playing time at the end of the year. He's listed at 270 on the roster. Looks bigger than that to me. Um, I think he's nearing 300 if he's not already. Sue Lafodu also got a little bit of playing time towards the end. Rule had mentioned him in the press conference that he was he was okay with how he uh, acquitted himself. Jason Machacek. I know he's bounced between offensive and defensive linemen. Is he defense now or offense, offense again? Offense. They have moved him to deep to offense. Okay. Then you got Riley Van Poppel. And he contributed. I mean, he was an actual player. I was impressed with how much he did look like he belonged. <laughs> he, was, he didn't seem like some true freshman. Now, another interesting thing, though, I, Brian brings up a good point. I do think you need another body or two over there because they moved not only Machacek, but they just moved Ruquan Buckley. And not to criticize the guy, you hope he finds his success on the offensive side of the ball, but he was getting washed out. Like, <laughs> it was noticeable when they brought in Buckley like wow he was getting washed out and what he's doing is hard so i'm not saying i'm not saying that to criticize the guy but they removed him from the picture opposing offensive lines removed him from the picture with relative ease um which i think led to him going to the offensive side of the ball so it's a decent point about hey yeah how how do you replace hutmacher and and robinson i think it's it's pretty unique brandon too because those two are true physical specimens that are just pretty pretty rare breeds. And I don't know that you have to have – I mean, it's great if you do. But I think you can win without complete physical freak shows like those two guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you could. And the point is good that it'd be nice to uh, 
have another one available. Yeah. And I, I think Nebraska's approach, you know, pretty similar to offensive line in the portal, like those guys in, in the defensive line, everybody, everybody wants them. Everybody wants anybody on the line that's, that's proven. Uh, your better option is to grow one. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, s- presuming they update the roster in, in January, we can all pour, pour over the results to see, uh, see how people's bodies have changed. But yeah. I think with another full off season, um, their, their best option is to get somebody already on campus close to where they want them to be yeah. in terms of holding up, you know, kind of in the trenches the way that, well, Hutbacher and Robinson did more than hold up uh, this year. But when you want to spell those guys, you want to put somebody in there who's, who's comfortable at least holding their ground. Yeah. Right. Before we get you out and before we bring Schmidt and Gary into the show, do you have – a eulogy for the Pac-12 following their title game last night? Hmm. Not really. Uh, it was kind of, I mean, I was, I was sadder than I thought. Like, the Pac-10 yeah. slash 12 was, I, I, I guess, a league that I never, like, I was just kind of indifferent towards it. I was like, yeah, it's good sometimes. Um, and uh, But watching that, that Oregon-Washington game last night, uh, after the absolute classic they played earlier in the year, and you got another one, it's uh, there's some really good football in that league this year, particularly between those two, and, and those two are playing, I think, a portable brand of football right now behind two very very good uh, head coaches. So it's gonna be interesting to see where they where they fall coming into the Big Ten. It's gonna be interesting to see all of those Pac-12 teams transition to the Big Ten. You know, I think back to uh, Nebraska's move, and they came in. At a high spot, they were picked to win the, the conference. I think the whole conference. Their their first season in, um, and what we saw is the the transition was I think tougher than mm-hmm. than most people imagined. I think internally and externally, uh, I'm interested to see if it's the same case this time because you're bringing in four teams instead of just one. So it's not all on on Nebraska. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's a little bit more West Coast influence coming in. So that said, any time I think a conference, particularly one as historic as that, goes under, it's it's not happy news. Uh, no. Certainly, uh, you know, just thinking of Arizona State and Arizona and Utah is a little bit different, but being in the Big Twelve now and still feel bad for Oregon State and Washington State. I'll, that'll probably always be the case. Brandon, no. let people know about Counter Reed before we get you out of here. Yeah, counterread.com. That's a twice-weekly Substack newsletter from Aaron Sorensen and I. Uh, we're actually running a uh, a slight discount right now on an annual subscription, 20% off. We're going to keep that live as long as Nebraska volleyball is in the uh, NCAA tournament. So probably you're probably safe for, for a little bit, but if you don't want to gamble, uh, hop on over there today and you can get signed up and, and check out what we're all about. Brandon, enjoy your Saturday of conference championships, all right? All right. Thanks.